0: I am, like, I'm super excited. I don't know why. I'm excited because it's a new year. I'm excited because uh, I got a new baby. I'm excited because I just I feel good. For some reason, I am excited. I think, first and foremost, I am most excited about the journey 2020. we talked somewhat about it. We're here now. And so... Um, Maybe it's time for me to just sort of lay it out, tell you all about the journey and what we're going to be doing uh, this year. I'm excited about it. It's going to be integrated in everything that we do. It's going to be part of our community groups, which is our version of small groups. It's going to be part of our student ministry. It's going to be part of our children's ministry. It's going to be part of even our preaching on Sunday morning. So what is the journey? The journey is something... Well, let me back up. My name is Anthony Burton. (laughs) I am the lead pastor here at Bridge Church. Uh, Bridge Church, we consider uh, our mission to be uh, a ministry of reconciliation. I say it as often as I possibly can. What does that mean? It simply means that we are calling people uh, through the love of Christ into relationship with God... And as a result of being in relationship with God through Christ, we are now in relationship with one another, which means that there are a whole lot of barriers and walls and and things that have to be broken down. And the bridge represents uh, sort of the the passageway over uh, those barriers, right? So we don't care uh, economic status, age, uh, gender, Uh, uh, ethnicity all of these things are broken down go away, and we are one in Christ Jesus and that's what it means for us to be a ministry of reconciliation and uh, if, if you've never seen anything like it it's because there are very few places that even like try to be what we're trying to be but we're being intentional we're calling on God to help us and we're going to be a ministry of reconciliation. Now, with that said, what is the journey? Journey is simply this. <clears throat> As a body, we are all together going on a journey through the scriptures. We're going to read the entire Bible in one year. Some of you may have done this. It's okay. We're going to do it again. Some of you have never done it. It's okay. you get to do it for the first time. But we get to do it together. And as I said, we're going to be integrating, integrating the journey into everything that we do. Why? Why are we going to do this? Uh, reading the scripture uh, is not a trivial thing. As a matter of fact, I would consider it one of the most important things that we could possibly do as believers. Uh, I've got a list here of why it's important, why the journey is important. One, to exercise spiritual discipline. Uh, 1 Timothy 4 and 8 says bodily training is of some value. Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the future, for the present life, and also for the life to come godliness is of value in every way like to do your exercise we've got our new year's resolutions and everybody's concerned about what i eat and uh working out and all of these different things it's it's of some value right it holds value but it doesn't have the kind of value that exercising spiritual things have because they bring godliness godliness is a direct product of god's word godliness is a direct product of god's word the godliness that paul is talking about in first timothy uh, that godliness can only be gained through his word well what are you saying preacher second peter one three and four says his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. How do you get this godliness and life that God has given us? He's given us everything pertaining to it through the knowledge of him by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. And so in order to become like God, to see the world the way that he does, to be in his image, to be partakers of the divine nature, it only happens through uh, understanding his very Great and precious promises. Where do we get his precious promises from? Boom. Where do you get an understanding of what it's like to be like him? Boom. That's godliness. To be like him. That's what godliness is. Having escaped from the corruption that is the world because of sinful desire. You want to stamp out uh, those things that are part of your life that are not like God, the things that God does not want for you, those things that you desire that are not of him, know what he's like. That's where you get it from. So journey 2020, we're going through the scriptures, exercising spiritual discipline. Also to draw closer to God and to one another. Uh, I love the fact that this is a unified thing, right? That we're all doing this together. That we're going to go and journey through the scriptures together, right? We're going to do it together. It's going to... uh, As a matter of fact, I was reading this week. I hope you started your reading plan. We started on Wednesday... Is that right, on Wednesday? We started on Wednesday, and uh, we're talking about creation uh, up until this particular point on today. It's great. I would encourage you to be a part of it. I'm going to give you some tips in just a bit and how to go about uh, doing this. It allows us to draw closer to God and to one another. Uh, it, it allows us to experience the joy in reading scripture. It's just a joyful thing to read the scriptures. Now, I know there are parts, you know, where so-and-so begat so-and-so and and -and so-and-so begat so-and-so and and -and so-and-so begat so-and-so. But I was reading this week, and as I was reading, I started to see things that I hadn't seen before. And I've read through the Bible several times. But there's there's something about reading through it that God reveals things to you as you are reading. Paul says, do not neglect the public reading of Scripture. It's something that we should be about as believers. We should be reading the Scriptures. We should read it aloud. We should read it privately. We should read it around one another. We should read it all the time. Uh, Now, uh, like in our age... Uh, uh, bibles are plentiful and everyone is um, literate like most people can read and there are lots of things that we have access to unlike the day when uh, this was going on and so so the essence of what paul is saying when he's saying don't neglect the public reading of scripture the the premise is that there aren't a lot of people who have access to books There aren't a lot of people who can read. And so the only time that people get an opportunity to hear the reading of the word is when we do it publicly all together and someone is reading aloud for everyone else to hear. Well, if we sort of fast forward it and make it applicable to who we are in our day and time, what Paul is saying is for us not to neglect the reading of scripture because we all have access to the word. All right, the joy of reading scripture. The, the, the scripture, it brings wisdom and guidance, All right? Look at Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light upon my path. I'm talking about the joy of reading scripture. It brings truth and knowledge. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It gets down to the crux of the matter. It, It reveals and it shows you what the truth is. If you don't believe me, just try. All right, so here are the keys to success for making it through the journey. All right, here are the keys. Number one, pray. You have to pray as part of being spiritually disciplined. Uh, Yes, reading scripture is, is, is part of that, but also praying is key. You want God to go through this with you while you are reading. You want him to be speaking to you. As you are reading, you want him to reveal things to you while you are reading. It is necessary for you to pray. Uh, Know why you are doing this, number two. I I know why I'm doing it, mainly for the things that I listed before. Like, I'm excited about us being able to come together. Uh, The joy of reading scripture Uh, God is revealing truth to me while I'm reading. Like, this is an exciting thing for me. Know why you are uh, doing this. Uh, Here's the third thing. Be in a community group. It is important. It is important. Right now, we have two groups. By the end of the year, I would like to have at least four groups. Be in a community group so that we are going through this together, so that you have support that you need, so that we can experience this together, so that we can talk about this, that we are reading together. It's important be a part of a community group. Here's the next thing. Don't try to catch up. If you get behind, it's okay. Just jump right in wherever we are. You have a license. Not to get frustrated if you happen to get behind where the rest of us might be. It's okay. Nobody's going to put you on the wall of shame for, you know, for whatever reason you were not able to keep up. So don't try to catch up. If you want to, you can, but don't get frustrated or upset because you get behind. Don't try to catch up. Just jump in wherever we are. It's okay. Then here's the last thing. Read a version that is right for you. All right. What's the best version of the Bible? The one one that you will read. I don't care if it's NIV, ESV, KJV, NKJV, (laughs) uh, amplified version, audio version, whatever. The important thing is just to read it. As a matter of fact, uh, I had a trip that I took to uh, Memphis to visit my parents, and on the way, I listened to some of uh, this week's reading. That's All right, so that's okay. Like We're acknowledging that we have very busy lives and lots of things going on, lots of kids, lots of kids' activities. Those are okay. Uh, if you get uh, five minutes driving the car, turn it on on your phone. Good to go. All right. And as a matter of fact, John is sending out emails every week with links to each passage for the week. And if you follow the link, there is an audio that you can press there to listen to it just as well as read it. So we want to make it as convenient as possible. Now, what are we doing? We are reading through the Bible chronologically. Does somebody have a, um, let me see a reading plan. Anybody got a reading plan on them? We're reading through it chronologically, meaning we are not going through it like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteron- We're going through it chronologically, meaning the order in which the events happen in the scripture, historically happened. Right. This is why Job is at the beginning as well as Genesis. Job is the earliest uh, book that we know to have been written. Right? And so the events that happen in Job are very early in history, after creation, but probably the earliest that we have recorded. Um, so we're going through it chronologically. So we, we get to uh, get a sense of the big story right, how the story is told from beginning to end, which is why I love the video because the video shows us that uh, the Bible is a big story, and not only is it a big story, but it is a love story centered on one person, a love story between God and his people and how God comes to rescue them, right, And, and I'm hoping that reading through it this way that we can see the story right it's 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 a story it's it's not just genesis by itself right it's not just the psalms by themselves but there's a story that has uh, been written and is being told now if you notice on the reading plan uh there's a subheading for each uh particular month uh that we're reading from and uh this month uh the subtitle is God is in control over everything. So uh, we're doing a little bit of introduction this week, right? But uh, we're going we're to dive in just a little bit, just a little bit since there was some reading this week. We'll look a little bit at creation and the idea that God is in control over everything everything. Now, we often talk about God's sovereignty, right? We talk about that a lot. Hopefully, if, you, if you've been here for a little while, you've heard me talk about the idea of uh, God being sovereign over everything. He is in control over everything. Everything. The sound that is coming from the air conditioner. me deciding to walk back, the cars that are riding by on the street. He is in control over everything. Now, i will to talk about it a little bit. Sometimes it is a hard concept for people to accept that God is in control over everything. Here's another way to say it. In particular, dealing with creation. God is Lord and sovereign over all of creation. Over everything that exists. As a matter of fact, in terms of things, if you're looking at Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books in particular. That is the thing. That God is Lord over everything. It's in his name, Yahweh. That he is Lord over everything. He is, meaning that he exists from beginning to end. He has no beginning. He has no end. He just is, and he is over everything. This is why Moses tells you the creation story. That God has it. He is the one who has done it. He is the one who is in control. It's a hard thing to grasp. He is king. He is sovereign. What do I mean when I say that he is sovereign? I mean that he uh has a lordship. He's over it. Everything falls under His purview. Now next week is going to get even better because we're going to talk about God has control over everything, in particular the events of people's lives. It's a hard thing to deal with, come to grasp with the fact that he is God, and everything that happens, everything that happens, God is in control of. Romans eleven thirty six 36 says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Amen. For from him and through him and to him are all things. What is Paul's response to that statement? To him be glory forever. Amen. Now we're going to look a bit, a little bit, at a section in Job, uh, in particular, because uh, Job has a lot to say, uh, actually, about creation, and and who God is in terms of His sovereignty and control over all things. Look at what's going on in Job's life, right? Next week we're going to look particularly at what happens uh, to Job, but Job chapter nine, uh, verses one through twelve. Uh, Job is making the case uh, that he cannot contend with God because of who he is, despite all that is going on in his life. Job says, like, I can't can't come before him and and have some complaint. I can't contend, can't make my case before him because of who he is. And look how Job describes him. In Job chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 12. Then Job answered and said, truly I know that, that, this, uh, that it is so. But how can a man be in the right before God? If one wished to contend with him, one could not answer him once in a thousand times. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who has hardened himself against him and succeeded? Now look at verse 5. He Who removes mountains, and they know it not. When he overturns them from his anger. Who shakes the earth out of its place, and its pillars tremble. Who commands the sun, and it does not rise. Who seals up the stars. Who alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea. Who made the bear and Orion the Pilates and uh, the chambers of the south, who does great things beyond searching out and marvelous things beyond number. Behold, he passes by me and I see him not. He moves on, but I do not perceive him. Behold, he snatches away. Who can turn him back? Who will say to him, what are you doing? Job says, I can't contend with God because God is God. He has control over everything. Not even the mountains can contend against him because of who he is. How can I do it? So, here is the point that I'm trying to make today that God has control over everything including all of creation. We're going to be looking at these verses from a 50,000 foot view because there's a lot to read from week to week. Now, if you take the time to read, probably if you're a slow reader like me, 30 minutes to get through, right? If you listen to it, uh, I noticed that I was able to listen to three chapters of Job in about seven seven minutes, right? It would have took me reading-wise 20 minutes to read. So uh, that's helpful. Uh, But There's a lot to read uh, from week to week, which is why it's okay if you get behind. Don't try to catch up. It's okay. God owns, uh, God is in control of everything. Here's my first point. Because he created it, because he is in control of it, God owns everything. Owns everything. God owns everything. The psalmist says in 24 of 1 and 2, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Because God is the one who established and founded it, it all belongs to him. Now, what am I saying? Let me put it in plain and simple terms. You belong to God he owns you he is Lord over you he is your God it takes a measure of humility to agree to that because nobody wants to be owned by anybody Right? Like, for some, when you hear it, it's almost repulsive. But I'm here to tell you that not only is it not repulsive, but it is uh, the best, greatest, most excellent thing that I could ever say about God that you and I belong to Him. Now, he has given us some measure of choice, and some of us, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray, right? But particularly for the body, for believers, for those who have uh, come to acknowledge Christ as Lord and Savior, those persons, uh, God not only owned us, but he redeemed us, meaning that he purchased us back he bought us back and now he has a special measure of ownership over us as a matter of fact the word says that you were bought with a price the precious blood of jesus christ we've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb he owns everything you and i have strayed and he still comes after you because he created you and you belong to him. And so he pursues you regardless of the fact that you have strayed from him. God can do whatever he pleases because he owns it. It belongs to him. you don't believe me, go look at the word. It actually says it. Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases, whatever he wants to do. Someone once told me that uh, God cannot do anything illogical or untrue. And my response to that was that uh, anything that they perceive as logical or true is something that comes from God anyway. And If you perceive it in truth, it is because he made it so. So he won't go against his nature, right? And so anything that you perceive as true or logical or whatever, it is because he is the one who has shown it to us. And it is within his nature to be true and logical. So certainly he won't go against himself, but he will do whatever he pleases all right, here's the second part. God wants you to acknowledge him as God. Acknowledge him as God. What am I saying? Here's the best part of the message. God wants you to acknowledge his ownership over you. He wants you to call him Lord and God. God wants you to acknowledge His ownership over your life. He made you. He created you. He is over you. He is your God. He is your Lord. That means that God did not make any mistakes in who you are the moment we stop fighting against who he is the moment we stop uh, not accepting his lordship the moment we stop wanting to be our own God and our own Lord over our own lives the moment that we accept what he is to us the moment that we do that the moment that we accept it, we realize that he is in control over everything. And no matter what it is that you're going through, there's some measure of, of joy, of, of peace, of understanding that he's in control. Uh, you don't look at things like being depressed or being fearful, or even being angry the same way because you understand that he is in control. You understand that things are what they are because he is in control. You understand that he has made you who he has made you to be. Beautiful and wonderful, regardless of whatever flaws your own eyes may perceive, he has made you. And the moment that you're willing to accept what he has done and who he is, all of the other things, like the, 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 the capital sin, what, what is the, the epitome of sin is simply pride and idolatry. Pride, meaning we're looking to ourselves, right? We hold ourselves above, and that's idolatrous at the same time. And the moment you get rid of pride, and the moment that you humble yourself and accept that God is Lord and God and in control, all the other things in life, they don't mean as much anymore because he's in control. I'm trying to figure out a way to say it that you really get it. Like if, if, if I am going through something, I can be distressed and I can be upset and I can be uh, caught up in whatever it is that I'm going through. But the moment that I'm willing to acknowledge that he is in control and that what I'm going through has its purposes in him and that he is the one who's guiding and architecting everything, I look at it completely different. Maybe I've got low self-esteem, right? I don't like looking in the mirror. It could be anything, but God made me. He doesn't make a mistake. Maybe I got a, my leg is shorter than the other one. Right, I got a a finger that's out of place. Who knows? I've been fearfully and wonderfully made, created in his image. He is in control. He is the one who has made me. And if you're not willing to acknowledge him and exist in pride and idolatry as opposed to humility and worship unto him, when you exist in that space, then you do have anxieties about life. You do have issues that you can't deal with. You do look at yourself a certain kind of way in the mirror. You do look at other people in certain kinds of ways as opposed to understanding that they've been created by the master as well it is a it's a a relief, it's a freeing thought for me when I had the thought this morning that God has me I ain't got to worry what am I worried about Every single person in the room in the last 24 hours has concerned themselves with something that only God has control over. I am guilty. I'm not sitting here telling you the way that it could be uh, with with, uh, some measure of arrogance as if I don't go through it myself. I'm telling you, I'm here here to tell you like it it is freeing for me to understand that God is in control. He wants you to acknowledge him. How do we acknowledge him? We acknowledge his ownership of us. We praise him. Scripture says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everything. We worship him. We give him our love and devotion. He becomes the center of our world. God owns everything. Acknowledge him as God. And here's my last thing. Call on him. Look at Psalm 145, 17 through 21. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears the cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever. Oh, that's Psalm 145. (laughs) Not 1145. Psalm 145. He wants us to call on him. He, like in acknowledging that he is Lord and God, he wants us to call on him, to understand that he is in control and he is the one who, is, who, who, who guides everything around us. We call on him, understanding that he's going to be there to rescue us, to save us, to fulfill our desires, to hear us, to be near to us, to preserve us, like this is who he is. So let me just back up a second, and let me say this. We talk about God being in control. We don't have to worry or be concerned or think that we can do it better. God is good. God is truth. God is love. God is all of the qualities that we could only aspire to be, that we can only be by his hand, by his goodness, by his love. We can only be those things through him. He is good. And so when we talk about God being able to to do what he wants to do, whatever he pleases, it all fits within the context of who he is. Right, He's love. He's good. He's kind. He's gracious. He's compassionate. He's caring. This is who he is. And so we don't have to worry about a God deceiving us. right? We don't have to worry about a God going against us because that's not who he is. So it's good that he is good come back next week. We're going to talk about the hardest question that there is to talk about. Why do bad things happen to good people? Okay. It's a tough subject. We're going to talk about it next week and see what, uh, the Lord has to say about that particular subject. If, 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 uh, if, if you can, we want you to read through, uh, with us. We want you to journey with us. Uh, take the time, uh, on a daily basis, it will help you grow closer to God, having that time with God. Pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for uh, the journey, this journey that you have placed us on. We ask that um, you would uh, grant us wisdom and mercy and all of the things that we need to to make it through. Make this a joyful journey. Uh, opportunity for us allow us to do it with um, with pleasure and, and a measure of your grace God uh, I just pray for every person in here um, that they would acknowledge you as uh, God and Lord that they would understand that you are in control of all things uh, that they would call on your name anyone here who does not know you uh, that you would prick their heart Uh, not out of the abundance of great preaching or teaching or anything else uh, let us be sure that it is your spirit that it is your work that you are who you say that you are God of everything in control Sovereign and Lord, God, touch hearts and minds, make a difference. Show them, even if you have to, startle in a dream, uh, in a quiet moment, on a ride to some place. Show them who you are, God. We thank you. It's in Your name that we pray. Amen.